What's good, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the What in the Word podcast. We are here each episode to talk about how to develop a deeper relationship with Christ as you navigate a culture that doesn't love Christ. And so we have to navigate it with a biblical worldview. My name is Sean, and as usual, I'm with my brother, man. Jay Baker. My brother Jay Baker in the building, y'all. And so today, (laughs) we want to talk about a topic that can be a little bit confusing sometimes because uh, the language used is a bit tricky. And uh, we just want to discuss how sometimes uh, Christians uh, fall into the rhetoric of the world. And today we want to talk about safe spaces, what the world calls safe spaces, at least. Uh, And so the question we're going to ask today is, should Christians seek safe places or safe spaces in the world that we know is often hostile to our face? And on the surface, you know, we want to say yes. Uh, But the church should be a safe space anyway, right? But we're not talking about the same kind of safe space that culture has created. Uh, But when we talk about safe places or safe spaces in the church, we're talking about uh, a place where you can feel that you can confess, a place where you can feel love, a place that you can you can love others, right? And it's not necessarily a place that we want to avoid struggle because we know that struggle is a part of life and struggle is a part of growing our faith, correct? And so what do you think about it, Jay? What, what do you think about this whole phenomenon of safe spaces that are happening on university campuses and around the world right now? Um. It's interesting um, when when you look at it. Um, I think about I, I I think about people's different interpretations of what that safe space would be. Right? You have uh, on the one hand individuals that have may have been uh, we use the term uh, loosely nowadays oppressed or or yeah. people that have been bullied in the past. Let me give you an example for that. Um, you think of the LBGTQ plus community and how back in the days, man, uh, people were attacked and beat and abused, uh, whether it's people running inside of gay clubs or coming outside of gay clubs and waiting on individuals to walk to their car, or walk home, and they were getting attacked. Um, and so many of these individuals in the gay community. And so let me clarify quickly. When I say the gay community, like why I'm talking right now, I'm talking about the LBGQ plus community altogether. So this, this group of individuals who, um, feared, uh, being lashed out on and getting attacked, they were some of the early proponents of what we call safe. Uh, spaces today. And mm-hmm. so you, you have that type of idea on college campuses and even in other places, but you have that idea where somebody wants to be safe to even talk about being abused, to even talk about um, what it what it's like to live this type of lifestyle and people be against you, right? So that's one way. Then you have another way uh, and this is what's really being portrayed in the media, I think, a lot, where you uh, you have places where people are taking away other people's First Amendment right to right to speak. Right. It's it's no it's no you can't come with your ideas in here if, the, if we all don't agree with your ideas. Um, and so before I even want to get started, I kind of want to just, you know, kind of clarify different ways. And, and, and there's other 
types of safe places, uh, safe spaces that people talk about. And again, you talked about being in the church as well. Um, but for me, if you look at the idea of the gay community when they were being attacked and not only them, but just even women on college campuses period were being sexually assaulted, raped. Uh, I'm, I'm all for places where people can feel comfortable to talk about those issues, right? They, they have a right to talk about those issues because they don't feel safe. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel heard all of these different things. And so I'm, I'm definitely all for that. Now, just to transition a little bit, when we talk about the other form of safe spaces where you're saying that you can't bring your ideas and that means that people can't come on, on campus and, and debate with you because you're going to shut them down. Or, or as we talked about in another episode, you're going to be canceled, right? I think there's so many issues with that. Uh, and as believers, uh, if we try to go seek those type of safe uh, spaces where we just don't want any type of conflict at all, right? Because when when you when you talk about peace, mm -hmm. many people think as think of peace as the absence of conflict altogether. There's no conflict, but that biblical peace, right, and joy, right? You've talked about a lot of that recently in in your sermon series, but. Just think about that peace that you can get in the midst of, right, the conflict that's going on. And I don't want to go too far because in a little bit, I, I kind of want to talk about, you know, with Christians and we, we're going to grow up among some things while we're here on earth. I want to talk yeah. about that later, but I just wanted to kind of open it up with what you were just talking about, bro. Yeah. And I appreciate that, you know, that, that, that level of clarity, because I'm waiting on what you're going to say later. Cause I got a sneak <laughs> preview, but you're right. So just to clarify again, we're not talking about places where people uh, fear for their lives. People fear being beaten up because of the way that they believe and things like that. We're all for those type of safe spaces, right? Where people are violent, or yes. uh, people are abusive, even verbally abusive. Sometimes we, we're, we're all for not getting yes. to a place where you're assaulting people, whether it's with your words, whether it's with your hands, bullets, whatever, bullying, you know, whatever. But what is evolving now in a lot of especially academic arenas is you can't have ideas that I disagree with in my safe space. And so then we're segmenting ourselves uh, and saying, uh, you can't be here oftentimes when people are different than us. And so one example is what we're seeing on university campuses is they're creating safe places uh, for minority students and saying any student who's not a minority can't even be in this area while we're in this area, because this is our space to be able to be ourselves, And that is uh, something that the church should not promote and the church should not say we are creating safe spaces for people who are different ethnicities or different uh, ideologies or different whatever, you know, nowadays we segment into so many ways. Uh, people who are different can't be around because the church is all about being inclusive. People from all different ethnicities, all different backgrounds, all different uh, socioeconomic groups uh, being together and glorifying God because God is torn down the wall of hostility. Right. And so, yes, yes sir. So, my stance on it is Christians shouldn't seek safe spaces uh, because we know that we live in a hostile world and people are going to have opinions about us. 
Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, right here in the Bible. I, I, I got to pull it up to this page. I don't know why it's on this page, maybe because I want to talk about it. And it <laughs> says, and you will be hated by all for my sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so essentially Jesus is saying, listen, when you start talking about me, you're going to start dividing. People going to start hating you. And um, he didn't say you can call time out and you can stop talking about me. You can stop living your life in a certain way. He says you're going to be hated. And so what I'm proposing is Christians, uh, the world is going to do what the world is going to do. But we shouldn't be seeking safe places and saying, oh, well, we need a safe place for Christians and only Christians. And so that's going to make this exclusive club that won't allow people to hear the gospel because we're going to start siloing off and becoming monastic, if you will, and going and staying off in, 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 in communes and things. And the gospel message can't be shared if we're doing that. Yes, sir. And, and just to piggyback off of what you just said, I think it's very important, right? Uh, if Christians are thinking about uh, seeking these safe spaces where it's nothing but Christians and nothing but Christian ideas, one thing you have to think about is, and I think the, the the main question that we have to ask ourselves, if that's what we're seeking after, the question should be, am I really prepared uh, with the gospel cultivated in my heart? And not only in my heart, but is it active in my life to where I feel comfortable, comfortable enough to share? If not, then instead of really uh, focusing on seeking a safe space, it's probably more of a priority to seek out getting that character of Christ developed in our life mm. that we may feel comfortable with going out. Because as you were saying, it's, it's impossible to share the gospel if we're closed off to everybody else. How can I share the gospel if all I want to do is be around people that act like me, look like me, and they do the things that, that I do. How can I ever share? Um, I think of opportunities to share the gospel all the time. Um, give you an example. Um, and many people have heard me tell this story before, but just in general, I'm going to give you an example. When I was in my undergrad and I was, uh, at a seminary, um, and I, I think I was a little, I don't want to say radical, but I was a little different than everybody because I just walked when I came in the hallways and, and, and went in the student commons and everything to eat. I was just talking to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Good evening. Good morning. How's your day going? I mean, I'm just talking to everybody. And so I, I saw people were kind of like thrown aback. And remember, we had a Christian uh, yeah. uh, seminary. Right. And so everything's going to be a little different. And and I'm not saying everybody has to be like the way that I was, but I'm saying we, we have opportunities no matter where we are, even 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 in places where we think it's nothing but Christians and everybody is strong in their faith. They're no longer on milk. Right. They've graduated. They're on solid food. Right. And so that's the key thing. We need to understand that cultivating the character of Christ is the most important thing in our life and throughout the rest of our lives. Mm. And once we understand that. Um, some of these other things that we think should be a priority, they'll begin to take uh, a backseat because Christ is back at the center of our lives. That's what's up. That's what's up. You know, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the safe space talk that we hear about, you just mentioned the undergrad that you was at, it's happening on these university campuses where, uh, you would think, uh, universities would be a place where, uh, all type of ideas are welcomed, right? Yeah. 
And so what we see is we don't know if it's a majority or, the, or the just a loud minority. Other ideas are being suppressed and pushed down with violence even now. What's what's mm-hmm. outbreaking a lot of these universities. Um, and when I saw certain things that were happening around the country, I started seeing this about, I don't know, about four years ago. I think I was forwarding you stuff about four years ago about yeah. colleges that were the deans were going off and all these professors were getting fired for all different types of stuff. Uh, student body was being mad because people, just because people were on their campus who promoted certain values that they didn't agree with. And I started thinking about this and I was like, wow, like I've always heard that uh, from that movie, God's Not Dead. I've always heard yeah. uh, from back then, uh, Christian youth, they don't really learn their faith and they go off to college and they get these radical professors who think differently and they just knock holes in their faith because they haven't learned how to contend for the faith, as Peter would say, right? Uh, yeah. And so one thing I um, I believe is as the church, we should be training our kids uh, apologetically, right? Yes. Why, why do you believe what you believe as parents? So I know you go to church, what you get today. Why do you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, and making them own their faith, uh, giving them uh, opportunities to own their faith, even knocking holes, if you will, with opposite viewpoints to let them see, oh, how do I refute that when it comes up? Right. Because they're getting on these college campuses and they're just kind of um, starting to think what's normalized is right. And what's in the Bible is old. We shouldn't live by that anymore. And we see more and more Christian young people getting into academia because we haven't challenged them with uh, the ability to uh, to just answer tough questions about their faith. We don't even challenge them to think about their faith, really. We just say you're supposed to believe. Like, you know, old yeah. school Christian, you're supposed <laughs> to believe because I believe, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and not giving them the opportunity to wrestle with their faith. And in those environments that aren't safe with their friends, uh, it, it's going to give them the opportunity to contend for their faith, to share their faith, to understand how to be faithful when uh, you have people who are hostile towards what you believe. And, and, and really you think about just to add to what you're saying, I think about if people that are believers are looking for a place where they can feel more comfortable and they can kind of start getting certain ideas that should be done in our homes. That should be done in our apartments. That should be done in our actual churches where we are getting that environment. We feel safe. And you said this at the very beginning, right? In our churches, this is where you go to feel safe, uh, uh, feel like you can confess whatever sin it is that you have going on in your life and get the help in the prayer of your leadership and the rest of the congregation, right? To come alongside yeah. you yeah. and to help you push you forward. But as you was as you were talking, you, one of the things that came up, and I, I, I is this is more of a application point that I wrote down uh, for anybody on college campus. If you're listening to us, I will, I want to give you something uh, because I did it when I was uh, in seminary, but I think it can be done at any college campus, and I think it can be a way uh, for a breakthrough for sharing the gospel just immediately, just by deed alone. Uh, and showing compassion, food could be your breakthrough. Let me show mm. you what I mean. Mm. Whether you just start, I know we, we're not at the application point, but I just, this came up and I just want to share it real quick. 
I can tell you this. It, you might not have a lot of money, but if you reach out to whoever church you're a part of and say, hey, I want to start doing this on campus, food can be a way to bring people together and have people open up. Even if you just start with uh, your uh, your roommates or some of your classmates that are in the same class and you want to do a study, man, just get some get some food together, whether y'all cook it together or you have it cooked and brought and, and just invite people to come and just get a meal. One thing you know about college campuses is a lot of people don't have much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just bringing the food and and, 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 and people are going to start asking you, why are you doing this? And your answer could be something as simple as why not? Or may God has been so good to me or whatever it is the way you want to phrase it. If you don't want to start off by pushing too much, just say, why not? Mm-hmm. We got to eat mm-hmm. and we got to study. Mm-hmm. Let's study. You yeah. know what I mean? And eventually those gospel questions, because they're going to start watching you after that. If that's something that you consistently do, it'll become a breakthrough in many people's lives. And so we have to find ways to break through the culture or break through the the, uh, the tension and not run away from it. And it yeah. doesn't have to be right. Us being preachers, we may read the Bible more than some other people, but it doesn't have to be with quoting a bunch of scriptures. It could be you going in showing the love of Christ because you know there's a need here on this campus. They need some food every once in a while, whether it's once a month or twice a month or something, wherever you can get the funds from to be able to just do it. Sometimes you got to sacrifice to open the door or for God to open the door to people's hearts. That's right. That's right. That's what's up. And I, you know, I love how you said that um, your answer could be why not? Right. Yeah. We don't have to have all the answers all the time. Right. And if we're going to. And so here's a here's another thing with safe places for me or safe spaces for me mm-hmm. is if we're creating these safe spaces for people who think differently. Um, oftentimes, one of the issues is people don't want to be challenged in those spaces. Right. And so sometimes if you have a friend who's doing something or or, or believe in a certain way, just asking questions like, oh, so why do you believe that? Oh, so because if we believe as believers <laughs> mm-hmm. that we possess something that is truth, we believe we possess absolute truth, right? Um, why wouldn't we want to share with others if we got, just like you said, sharing the food, why would we want to meet other people's spiritual, emotional needs if we feel like we have what is the answer? Now, I know it sounds elitist to some people who may not be Christian, uh, that, you know, you can't make this truth claim, but w- we can't not believe that it's true because we, we it was presented to us as truth. And that's what we believe in. Right. Yes. And I think in our culture, we've gotten to a place where we don't want to press and offend. And that's what these safe places are coming from as well, where I feel anxiety when I'm around people who don't think like me. Well, what are you going to do when you graduate and you go work at a corporation where they don't think like you? Um mm-hmm. Where you can't get your way. And I fear that we're raising a generation of people who are allowing certain things to kind of happen in devolving culture that could be spoken up against and talked against, especially if uh, we feel like it goes against some of the the rights that should be happening on a public university. Like, how can you designate this section of the library to something that I can't come be a part of because I'm different. Right. Um, And so if we're doing those things, 
um, what happens is these kids who are growing up needing safe spaces, right, safe places, uh, especially Christians, they're going to be the next generation that when laws are being made and laws don't agree with them, uh, when churches don't agree with them, when they're at church and, no, oh, I don't want to go to this church no more because they painted the walls green and green is offensive to me. You know, whatever the offense is, I'm just making up something silly right now. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to teach people that life is not going to always go your way. You don't grow unless you go through hard stuff. You don't. And so what we're raising, and I know the, the term is we're raising fragile people that when things happen, oh, I got to go and do crazy stuff. And, and, and we saw what happened through our culture throughout the summer, right? People were, burning stuff up and tearing stuff down because things weren't going their way. I know some of it was protest because of the deaths of certain people, but a lot of what we saw this summer was simply because we're not getting our way because if you're protesting the death of someone who's getting shot by cops, why are you over here tearing up a store? Why are you over here harassing people at a restaurant that had nothing to do with that event? It's sort of like we're going to stand up and we're going to be loud. And, and so what we're teaching is basically how to throw temper tantrum when things don't go our way. Yeah. And you know what's what's interesting? I'm just going to, I want to throw a look in uh, onto what you just said right there. Um, I heard a lot of people, especially when George Floyd uh, was, was murdered, uh, a lot of people were quoting when, once the rioting and this stuff started, it, uh, they started to quote Martin Luther King's um, where he talked about that, you know, rioting and looting and stuff is the language of, you know, the oppressed and power. Yeah. But here's the thing. People quote that as a way of saying, yeah, see, this is why they don't they don't they don't know how to communicate how they're feeling any other way. But they don't talk about the rest that Martin Luther King says after that. Right. It's. It's if that's the problem, if that's been a problem, even going back to the civil rights days in the 60s, in the 50s, if that was a problem then and we're still having the same issues when it comes to us not knowing how to communicate our feelings. Here's the thing. When are we going to start providing people with the proper uh, um skills, right? The ability to be able to process things in, in a proper way, right? Mm -hmm. In a healthy way, mm -hmm. and then be able to allow them to find ways to do this out in society. That's good, right? brother. But we don't want to do that. We we focus only on certain things and then we know we we know what's gonna happen. It, it, me and you do we talk about this all the time and me and other people. Soon as somebody gets shot or something happens, the first thing we know, they about to tear up stuff. Yeah. Everybody already know it. And so explain to me how we know this is going to happen, but we're not doing anything to educate people into saying, look, there's other ways I can go about getting my voice heard than to go and just tear up some stuff. Yeah, it gets a lot of attention. And yes, you you uh, if you do the right thing to the right people and, and, and cause them to lose money, yes, they'll start listening. But why do you always have to be thought of as somebody that's going to tear down and not be someone that's going to build up? Build up. Um, and so, man, yeah, it's it's interesting um, 
I think mm. that also goes into the church. Yeah. I think, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, that's good. That, that's good. But I like the way you articulate it. Um, we're going the opposite direction, if you will. Instead mm -hmm. of teaching people how to communicate, we're telling people to go into their turtle shell. We just stick your head in your shell, yeah. go to your safe place. And then the opposite end of it, there's some people who are just, they, they standing up and they acting a fool. Yeah. Here, here's another thing. It doesn't even have to be the violence against uh, minorities. We saw in this election cycle, they, 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 they said if the current administration wins, people going to tear cities up. They were boarding up new. They were boarding stuff up, and then he didn't end up getting the most votes, and it was peaceful, <laughs> which is crazy, yeah. right? It's like yeah. if he wins, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what your political view is. You can't say if my opponent win. Like if, say for instance, if I was a Trump supporter, and Joe Ooh. Biden and Kamala Harris wins, I'm just going. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm throwing rocks. And, uh, that wouldn't work. Yeah, because that's not going to make them not winners. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like no matter yeah. what you say, it's not going to change things. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's what everything. Um, I was looking just recently. Uh, Somebody, I forget who it was. Somebody got a podcast. Speaking of podcast, I think it was Joe Rogan got a podcast <laughs> with Spotify. Got this huge deal. And all of the people who work there boycotted and protested because of something that he said. It's like we can't start taking people's right to speak their mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, away. Now, if someone stands in the middle of a movie theater and yells fire, that's different because people can get hurt by that. Right. And so the rhetoric has become if you say something against the way that I believe, the way that I am, the way that this you're putting me in uh, harm's way, you're putting me in, in, in a place where I can get murdered because you're speaking against it. And so. It only happens. With people, I'm gonna say it like this: It happens mostly with people who don't align with a biblical worldview. Say that, yeah, right. Um, and so, if you say something against women, uh, you're putting them in harm to be killed. But if you say something about men, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it's got to be both ways too. And so yeah. I, I I feel the safe spaces, like I said, the 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 way that it's going around right now is a bit hypocritical. Uh, you're saying, believe like I believe, or we'll cancel you. Say what we want you to say, or we'll cancel you. And I don't even believe that it's the majority who's speaking. I think it's the people who are wanting to be aggressive and the people who are wanting to make things their way are really ruling the day now. And I think the silent majority is just sitting back. Because again, if you, look at, if you look at this election, there's more people voted at this election than any other time ever, right? And yeah. then, it was close. <laughs> it was close. So that means to tell me that some people going, I'm not going to tell you my political view. I'm just going to sit back in the cut. Oh, yeah. And when it comes time to vote, I'm just going to vote because I don't really follow. They don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with any of that. Yeah. They, they don't really want to deal with any of it. And so we have to learn that we're going to live in the world. And I've been teaching this and saying this a lot lately. We got to love people who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't vote like us, uh, who mm -hmm. have different ideologies than us. And we can't wither like flowers when we get into discussions with people um and they don't agree with us we, it goes whole back to the whole thing don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion well yeah. we can't not talk about religion because <laughs> that's a part of what we do 
as believers. Yeah. And, and you know what's interesting? Ravi Zacharias says something. He says a lot of important things, I think. Um, but he said something one time. He said it many times. But what he said was, and I'm not, this is not a full quote because I'm paraphrasing. I don't, I don't remember the exact wording. But in a nutshell, this is what he said. He talks about how, and this is whether it's believers or non-believers. He said, mm -hmm. we lash out at times because we don't know how to communicate how we feel. And we don't really know how to communicate and articulate what we truly believe. Mm -hmm. So when we get stumped and people start throwing those questions at us and we can't answer them, some people just go into defense mode where they want to attack you or get upset. And this is not just believers. This is this can be for atheists or just mm -hmm. uh, agnostics, people that are trying to figure it out, whatever, you, whatever it is. A lot of times he, he talked about, and the more I think about it, I think he's telling the truth. Because you, you, you look at people when, when you get stumped or you or you want to explain something a certain way, but then you get in those situations and you're kind of like, I don't even really know exactly what I mean by this. Or I don't mm -hmm. really know exactly how I believe on this certain issue. Or I, I don't really know. And so I think I think that's that's one of the reasons why we lash out at times. But I think that's one of the reasons why many, many believers we even look for safe uh, spaces because it's like, okay, I'm going to go talk with people that I know that, that at least they believe the Bible like me and Jesus like me. But if I get around some other people and they don't believe, and then they start throwing stuff at me and they've read more scripture than I have, what am I going to do? And so wow. again, man, I think some of the stuff you said was very important early on in this episode. You talked about how even in our homes with our kids, give them the opportunity to say why they believe it and help them to get through some things. That's I think that's uh, the discipleship stuff that we're missing right now. We have to allow people to be trained up. It's too many. I'm going to say this. Uh, and I and I don't mean to offend anybody. But, and, and I'm talking to believers now, I, I, I really do believe we have too many believers that have been believers for a long time that are still on milk mm -hmm. and not have, and have not graduated, graduated to solid food. Yes. And that is dangerous because the character of Christ should be displayed a lot more in our lives. And the more we display that character of Christ, um, the, the the more we can get accomplished for the kingdom of God. That's good, man. That's good. And, <clears throat> you know, and, and even as we move, if something like you just said, even, even as we've moved from milk to meat and activity and getting out in the community and doing things, uh, people need safe spaces because the church, sometimes we're not hospitable. Yeah. Because Jesus has taught yeah. us to be hospitable, to invite people into our homes and have meals with them. And that includes people who don't agree with us. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have social anxieties uh, and, and things of that nature. And I understand, you know, um, that, but you can't stay there. You know what I mean? You can't come undone when you get into an environment that you can't control every bit of the narrative, because we say this a lot and we've said this a lot often things can't get crazy in this world. And we're doing people a disservice. 
by yes, sir. by saying, you know what, you just stay over there. You know, you you know, you you just be fearful. Just be fearful. And we know God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, and so as believers, again, like I say, the world is going to do what the world is going to do. Uh, but we want our children to grow and be able to be a part of society and culture and lead others and do what God has called them to do. And they can't do it from Christian silos. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna, let me go ahead and read a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. Get so, him. Get him, Jay. <laughs> I just want to start off by first reading Matthew chapter 13, and I want to read one verse, uh, verse 43, and this is the NIV. It says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Think about Think about that time where we're ruling. And man, I, I've been meditating on this a lot. Just think about that time where we're ruling and reigning with Christ, like it talks about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of times we forget as we're developing that character right now, uh, we think that 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 character just stays here on earth. It doesn't it doesn't go with us right into that next life. And part of the training that we do right now is going to carry on. But even when you look at that, because right there, Jesus is kind of quoting a little bit from Daniel chapter 12. But the beginning part of that, he's talking about how um, a farmer goes out to plant seed, right? He tells the parable. This is the parable of the weed, uh, the wheat and the weeds. And he sows good seed, mm -hmm. but while they're sleeping, the enemy comes and he sows bad seed, mm -hmm. right? And then it talks about like over a period of time because this seed, when it begins to grow, it's looking just like the wheat. Mm -hmm. And so after a period of time, you see that there's a distinction that takes place. People, the, the, the workers are like, man, that how, where do these weeds come from, right? Mm -hmm. And they're ready to go in and just let's let's root up this, let's get this bad out of there. But he warns them that you can uproot some of that good as well. One of the things I, when I've been meditating on this is I think we allow the enemy to distract us, right? Get us off of uh, what we were, uh, where we were on at first. Let me just say that, say it that way. Our priority was building the character, right? Because the, the text tells us in the explanation that the good seed, the wheat, are those that are the sons and daughters of the kingdom, right? They mm -hmm. are God's people that are growing and flourishing. And so for someone to be growing and flourishing like this, that means that your, your priority in your life at that time had to have been on the kingdom. God had to have been first. And there are distractions that come up in our life. The enemy is going to come in. He's going to sow things. But here's the thing. When we talk about these safe spaces, we, we, we tend to go and jump and go somewhere else, right? Uh, and, and allow our attention and our focus to be um, misdirected in a, in, a, in, a, in a different area. And we forget to continue to cultivate that good that was already being cultivated in our life. Yeah. And we focus on everything that's going on wrong around us. Yeah. And you've already named several of them, right? 
Uh, you named the coronavirus. You've named uh, this climate during the uh, this political climate right now during the election, and they're still counting some votes. Um, uh, race issues. We can get so caught up on everything around us that's unjust that we just feel is wrong, and we may have it may be something that is actually wrong. But just think about it. The enemy would love for you to move in that direction instead of focusing on what you were focusing on before. Really, to change the truth, nobody actually has to do anything to you. You can just see enough of nonsense around you and start focusing on that, and you will fail to develop that character like you should be developing. Yeah. See, if we want to get to the point to where we're shining forth like the sun, right? Mm -hmm. If we want to get to that point, we have to continue to develop that character uh, still in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be times where we address issues that need to be addressed, mm -hmm. uh, that we won't take a stand for stuff that need to be taken a stand on, but we won't put all of our energy in those things. We'll take care of what needs to be taken care of, and then we'll get back to what we're supposed to be doing, right? The whole goal is to run one program. I think a lot of times we forget that. We, we, we The goal is to run one program, a single focus, and yeah, we'll put a little energy over here, we'll put a little energy over there, but we don't want to divide our energies too much. And so I've been yeah. just spending a lot of time just kind of meditating on those on, the, on that those passages of scripture because it's it's amazing how we allow everything that's going on around us to to move us from our focus on the kingdom of God. And I'm guilty of it at times myself. The kingdom is the most important thing. That's why Matthew 6, right, he says, seek first the kingdom. And how God says that things are right, right? That's part of the problem too is yeah. we. it's about how we want it to be right, but it's yeah. about how he says it's right, right? Do those things first. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, man, it's the enemy. The, let, let me say it this way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how exactly how he said it. Dr. Napier said something that was important. He said, he said, what's the, what's worse? doing nothing at all or allowing yourself to be distracted and putting your energy in the wrong place. Right. Uh, and when you ask people that question, most people think, man, doing nothing at all. But I'm going to tell you like this, allowing yourself to be distracted and have your energy in the wrong place, your attention in the wrong place, your heart in the wrong place is just as bad as somebody that's sitting around doing nothing. And it could even be worse. Yes. Yes. You know, man, um, that's good, brother. I, especially the part where you say how the enemy distracts and you can see it. You, when you say it, like you, you, nobody has to be bothering. You've looked long enough. You can see that there's this other system going on. Because here's the thing. Um, and I know we're primarily focusing on university campuses. But um, what we have to understand to the listeners is things that start on university campus 20, 30 years ago or in the mainstream yes. now. Because these kids grow up and get lives and jobs, become CEOs, become politicians, become stuff. And they, they implement those things that they learned earlier in life in the system. And so what's funny is um, what safe places and safe spaces and university campuses advocate is they believe that people with marginalized voices mm -hmm. uh, need to be able to just say what they want to say 
without any discrimination, without anybody talking back, without anybody challenging their ideas. So in these safe spaces, I can go in and say whatever I want to say because I've been marginalized or you, I say I've been marginalized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I can say what I want to say without any pushback, without any, how is that a learning environment? Like literally, yeah. how is that a learning environment? We learn when I say something, we push back and you'll see people who uh, get most out of the college experience when teachers allow you to push back, you know, some professors don't, don't, I, I, it's in the books, so shut up, right? And that's yeah. not cool either, right? But when you're allowed to push back, when you're allowed to nurture your ideas and allow your ideas to grow. And so what the enemy does is, one, if we allow these spaces, one, we have to say that the person who's in this, in, in this university is less than others who are in this university. Not by merit of, they make better, worse grades, not by merit or anything. They're lesser than because the university's job is very specific to do one thing, educate these children, right? Teach them how to grow in life. That has nothing to do here if you're marginalized over here. And yeah. so we're trying to make all these things, like you just said, like we're running one program. That's what I love about what you said. You try to make all these things fit. Well, I was at Starbucks the other day and I'm a woman and the man behind the counter was looking at me and made me feel dirty. And so now I need to go to a safe space to talk about that. The university didn't have nothing to do with that. You go to the Starbucks manager and have them deal with that. And so what we're doing is we're rearranging (laughs) chairs on the Titanic. Like that's that one thing has nothing to do with this thing over here. But you're saying it's all the same because of my experience over here. And now you're saying because I'm a woman, men look at me and they look down upon me and they harass me. And all this kind of stuff. So now I need to go to my job and I need to say space in there. And I need to go yeah. to the university. I need to say space there. I go to the car dealership. I need to say, I need to sit in a special place in the church because I know there are men in here. They might be looking at me in a certain way. I need, when I go to the movies, like these different institutions don't all connect. They're not all the oppressive force on you. And so you can be marginalized in one place and not marginalized in another. Like literally. We were talking about yeah. this earlier. I mean... You can be a white person going to an all-black church and feel marginalized in that black church. Now, does that black church now have to make concessions for you because you're a white person in that black church? <laughs> yeah. There's 99 people in the black church. There's one white person. <laughs> and now yeah. we need to make concessions for you because you're white in a predominantly black church. We yeah. don't do that. that. That's why I'm saying Christianity, we have to move past this. But this is happening on the opposite, though. When minorities yeah. go into predominantly white churches we're saying you need to carve out a space for me to feel welcome here and my thing is if they're not making you feel welcome there uh because you're black that might not be the church you need to go to (laughs) yeah (laughs) you need to pray and try to figure out another place to go (laughs) a place to go right it's yeah it, it it if they can't if they can't love you and encompass you and make you a part of that community because you're different ethnically than them yeah. Something's wrong with that church. They don't need yes, to sir. create they don't need to create a program for you to feel welcome. They just need to make you feel welcome. They just need to love on you. Yeah. And I yeah. and I fear that when we create these spaces, what we're doing is saying we're going to cater to every need that you have and we make our churches so consumer driven as opposed to disciple making. So what that church, say say for instance that church, there's 1500 per let's say it's 10% of the church is is, is minority, right? 
we need to uh, we need to figure out why is my church not loving to everybody in the community? That's what we need to figure out. We don't need to make another program. We don't need to, like you said, we don't need to run another program. Yeah. We need to figure out why are these people not being included in the program? And we need to start discipling people to love on all people, not just yes, people. Because, because what happens is we begin to engineer this scheme that we give people preferential treatment in the kingdom based upon past things that happened. We don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Yeah. We don't see that anywhere in the Bible. We don't see that the Jews were uh, oppressed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Romans. We don't see anywhere in the Bible where it said, well, you know, it's your turn. When the church, when the church finally goes to Rome, these people that was oppressed over here, we got to make it right for them. You don't see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are your brothers and sisters. Love them. Yeah. That's it. It's that simple. We make we we make it so difficult, bro. Yeah, we make it so difficult. And, and and really, man, as I'm listening to you, and I'm and I'm thinking about these college campuses, I'm wondering like the groups that some of these people are going to where they they feel out of place. And I'm not going to talk about the church right now, but just people are must. I'm 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 wondering who are leading these these environments where people don't feel safe to speak because. Uh, one thing I think that a lot of people can learn from like, uh, the AA meetings and different things that when you come in there, everybody has a right to share whatever they feel like they want to share. No matter what, if you've ever been to one of those meetings, you're going to have godly people in there that have been drinking and they're trying to get their life together. You're going to have atheists. You're going to have people that are saying all kinds of stuff about aliens. You're going to have all kinds of different people in there but they allow everybody to share whatever they want to share. And I think, I think we have to, it, it, because of how sensitive, I hate to say it like that, but yeah, just because of how sensitive people are today, we have to really, maybe we need to lay down ground rules, like at the very beginning and say, Hey, you're welcome in here, no matter what, some people are going to offend you about what they believe and just get it all on the table up yeah. front. But the elimination of other people's thoughts and beliefs can't be something that we continue to thrive on because what it's going to do is, and I hate to say this, what it's going to do is it's going to further destroy our nation. Like our nation is already crumbling right now. Stuff like that, where we are not building people that have enough backbone to stand in there, it's going to further uh, diminish our nation as people that are willing to stand up. And we're not talking about fighting and going and get guns and all that, but we're talking about willing to stand up intellectually, uh, emotionally, and just be willing to share your thoughts and your views on different things and listen to the other person's views. Excuse me, you don't have to agree, but you know, that's the way it is. Uh, people have heard me share this story before about when I was in prison and, and me and the Muslim guy was real cool, right? A lot of his uh, Muslim brothers didn't like that he would sit and talk to me because they knew that I was a Christian. And so I remember he was like, man, the brothers, the brothers just hate you. And he was like, I don't know why, but he told me, this is one thing he told me, he said, man, he said, look, I come to talk to you because he said, you're being so authentic with what you're doing. And I was just like, okay, 
I, I said, I'm just see the scriptures and I'm trying to live what I see. I don't, and, and it was a compliment, man. And me and him got real cool. And this is the guy I told you about before that one of the times, I don't know where I was. I had left the building. I don't know if I was at a church service or at a class or something. And when I came back, the guy had a seizure mm. and he fell and hit his head and he died. And they were like, man, you heard the news. I was like, what happened? They were like, your, your, your good friend, the Muslim dude, you always play chess and dominoes with say he died while you were gone. I was like, what? And it was like, man, this guy where I talked about the Bible, he talked about the Quran and he was like, man, he say, they tell me stuff about Christians and then I see you doing something different. And he say, he kept saying to me like, man, I, he said, I, I feel them because I, I am a Muslim, but then the stuff that they're saying about Christians don't line up with the way I see you living in here. And so me and him just used to sit and talk. I didn't yeah. try to convert him. He didn't try to convert me. We just shared ideas with one another, man. Yeah. And, and, and to tell you the truth, man, you can really make some good friends, whether, yeah. whether a person comes to your side or what, you can make some real good friends with some people that believe different to you if both of y'all are open. Man, that's what's up. You know, I, I used to have a supervisor in my job. He was Muslim. Taught. He said it was equi equi equivalent to what we would say Sunday school and, and Christian. He was taught yeah. at the mosque. And uh, one day, they were all pressuring me to go out to eat. And I was on a fast. I would fast every week from six to six on this certain day for like six months. And every day, every on every week on that day, they, they would say, Ken, come out to eat with us. And I was like, nah, I can't. I can't. I came today. Man, I got you. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. I just kept putting them out, putting them out, putting them out, putting them out. And then finally one day he was like, um, he's like, man, you never want to go out to eat with us. Is, is there a problem? I said, no, nah, it's never that, you know, because I've been out to eat with them on different days and different things. I said, but on Wednesdays I fast. I think I figured he would have understood that as a Muslim. He was like, Christians fast? I was like, yeah, man, I fast <laughs> on Wednesday from six to six. Because then I used to go hit the streets and evangelize right after yeah. that. And so I would fast and pray all day. Um, yeah. And he was like, like he, he was like taken back. He was like, "What? Yeah, man, I ain't, he like I ain't never heard nothing like this for my life." But if we had safe spaces, when mm -hmm. Muslims over here, Christians over here, we would never, never would have those interactions. <laughs> yes, sir. Never would have had those interactions. Yeah, man. Like, like you saying, it's so pivotal that we live our lives and we live out our faith in front of others, so that others might be able to see the gospel message. And then it's going to come a day and a time one day when they ask, hey, man, can you explain to me this? Or can you tell me about this? Right. And you can yes. ask questions. Man, what about this? What about this? Uh, one guy who worked with one of our elders at his job, he, he, me and him were meeting for a little while. He was a Muslim and he was a brand new Christian. and He was going to a real big church and he didn't have a lot of people to talk to because he could just go up to the senior pastor and ask questions. Right. And he wasn't a part of a small group. So me and him just started meeting at Starbucks like in the morning before work one day a week. He was asking me all these questions. He's like, man, I've been in the church for like a year. I ain't never heard this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'll ask him stuff about Muslim faith, right? And yeah. and, and so, uh, and he had, it's almost like, you know, when um, you were little, maybe your mama, your, your cousins, and them, something happened. In, what happened in the house, you don't tell nobody outside the house, right? And so he was telling me things mm -hmm. that I was like, Muslims, what? You know, because, you know, it's stuff that won't come out. If you're not a Muslim and not in those circles, you wouldn't see those things that happen behind. But yeah, because we're in the West, everybody's a Christian, you know, Christian. And so since we're in the mm -hmm. West, they see all this. Oh, that's Christianity, huh? Baywatch. That's Christian. You know, that's Christianity, right? 
Like I saw that one place, like they were somewhere mm-hmm. in the Middle East. They would look at uh, Baywatch and, and, and think that was America. Like just running down the <laughs> beach with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not America, man. But that's what they saw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Y'all some, y'all some Baywatch Christian, what they said. <laughs> man, it's, I enjoy, man, talking with different people. Um, yeah. And, and I just want to encourage the, the brothers and sisters out there speaking to Christians now. Uh, I, I just want to encourage you uh, to take the time to get yourself ready at home. Um, get somebody to pour into you if you need somebody to pour into you. But get yourself ready at home uh, and inside your churches whenever we start opening back up churches again. Get yourself ready at home so that when you do go to work or or you you do go to the grocery store or when you are at school or whatever you'll be you'll be more prepared and I and I, I want to say more prepared because many people think that just for you to start talking to people you got to have all of the answers you got to you got to have half of the new testament memorized or something when really the, all you have to do is is just teach what you not teach but talk about what you know hey mm-hmm. i just been reading in Matthew chapter 5 for the last 6 months that's all I've been doing is reading that. And I'm, man, it's, it's so much stuff. And I really don't understand. Like people like it when they see, when they hear you say, man, I really don't understand this, but I'm trying to work it out. Or even just talk about how God is working on your heart in a certain area. Maybe you've been harboring for unforgiveness towards somebody else. And when you start talking about stuff like that with people, it is like, man, God is dealing with me about really forgiving this person. I thought I had forgave him, but every time I see him, some stuff start happening on the inside and I can kind of tell why God is speaking to me about this. Cause I don't think I've really forgiven him. I, I say that I have, but it's still some stuff in there. And yeah. so that's the key. Like people like stuff like that. We think we got to go in there and say, you understand what uh, Luke chapter 10 said? You don't <laughs> understand that? Well, that's what your problem is. That Luke chapter 10 had all the answers for you, but you don't understand Luke chapter 10. That's going to work for somebody. You know what I mean? That's going to work for somebody. Man, just share with people, man. Just, and I don't want to just say share, just like you just need to be walking the room and say, hmm. Who is the easy one in here? It got to be somebody easy. Yeah. Oh, my he or at? she looks easy. Yeah, right. Your victim. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's about just you know just start communicating with people. You know. Yeah. I got four classes with you on a regular basis. I got four classes with you, man. Hey, what's your name, man? I, I'm, I see you in. I saw you in this class. Saw you in this class, and I saw you in this class. Uh, my name is so and so, and they can look at you crazy. Uh, or whatever, and then just just keep talking to them every time you see them, and then eventually I guarantee you that door is going to open where you can just start talking, not necessarily about Jesus, but you can start talking just in general. Right. So we look for little open doors like that. That's good, man. That's real good. Um, um what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I I was going to add um, that it's always good to conversate. It's always good to look for those open opportunities, like you're saying right now, and letting people see that you're on a faith journey too. That's that's yes, really sir. what it is. And while we're on a faith journey, like you were saying, man, I'm reading in Matthew, man, and man, I'm learning a lot. We act like we're scared to let people know that we're still learning, like we haven't already arrived <laughs> and have all the answers, yeah. right? Yeah. Man, this is this is interesting. This is an article I found from uh, the University of Chicago. The dean 
of students uh, in 2016. So this has been going on for a while. He had to write and say, our commitment to academic freedom means that we do not support so-called trigger warnings. Because that's what they talk about now. Oh, you triggered me. As a Christian, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be getting triggered by stuff, right? Yeah. We do not cancel. He said, we do not cancel invited speakers because their topics might prove controversial or we do not condone the creation of intellectual safe spaces where individuals can create, uh, where individuals can retreat from ideas and perspectives at odds with their own. And that's really what these safe spaces are designed to do, allow you to retreat from safe space, uh, from these things. You can always do that. You can, like you said, go to my apartment, go, 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 to, go to a small group, and this for Christians. If you're not a Christian, go hang out with your friends. If that's your safe circle, go hang out with your friends. But you can't come into public spaces yeah. and demand that people allow you to do such and such and such and stuff. And so what we need to do is we need to delineate free spaces from safe spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, safe spaces, people just can't walk. If you want a safe space, Create a space where people just can't walk up in there behind your door, behind in your dorm room, wherever you create that safe space for you and your friends and that kind of stuff. Uh, but when it's in the open, when it's in public, you just yeah. can't shut down street corners. and You can't be over here right now because, man, that's that's not creating an inclusive society. And what I see is a slippery slope where if we allow these things to happen. Tyranny is right behind. Because when the majority starts saying this is right and this is wrong and the majority is the ones that are yelling and being violent, because these safe spaces are creating these violent places, violent. There was an ethics professor at one school, an ethics professor. He was riding with his students and hit a dude in the head with a bike lock who wasn't doing nothing. Wow. Where in the world can an ethics professor rationalize that this is okay for me to hit this person in the head who's doing nothing but speaking. Unless we get to a place where we start saying things like your words are violent towards me. And then I can respond with violence because your words are violent towards me. I can respond with violence. They even saying silence is violence. Now I don't even know what to do with that (laughs) 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 because you're being violent towards me. How am I being violent towards you? Well, you're talking about there's only one way to heaven. See, Christians, see how slippery that slope is. You're saying there's only one way to heaven and we need to take you out. Well, what you I'm going to shoot you because you're being violent towards me because you say there's only one way to heaven. And so we have to be able to allow people to speak what they believe without. Listen, if you don't believe it, don't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, it's that simple. If somebody comes to your campus and wants to speak. I don't care if they're talking about Nazism. If they come to your campus and they want to speak, just don't go to the event. Yeah. It's that simple. Because some of y'all, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but some of y'all, the the church is a place where you say people think like you. You don't come see them speak half the time. And so yeah. don't, don't be so twisted up and caught off guard when somebody doesn't agree with you, speak like you, and now you need to shut them down. Uh, that's the challenge. And so we saw in this last election, I got into a real good d- discussion earlier, where we vote and we stand on our, on our morals and our principles. And we vote and we stand on our morals and our principles. That's all we can really do Yeah. in this country. And we're lucky to be in the country where we can vote. 
Because mm-hmm. <laughs> some places they just tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I dare you say something about it. And there's Christians who live in those spaces. Mm-hmm. When we think about it, I preached about that this weekend. Christians make up 4.25, I mean, Americans make up 4.25 of the world. 4.25% mm-hmm. of the world. I mean, there's so many countries where Christians are in right now that are being massacred and killed just for their faith. Houses burned down and all kind of stuff. <laughs> they, ain't, they ain't got no option for no safe space. Mm-mm. And so we need to really look at the world as a great big old place that God is concerned with. And we just can't get in our little silos. And even when we talk about safe spaces, we're talking about a little silo of a silo. I mean, that's probably point two percent of the entire world yeah. that can that can get into a safe space. And I think that's a some that's something that we have to start praying and praying specifically for um believers um that really have a heart for gathering the harvest. Yeah. Because you know, for Jesus to command the disciples, right, to to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. To pray that, that means that you got to have some people willing to do it. And a lot of, you can't do that from a safe space. From, from, from a safe space, you can't go out and grab the harvest, you know, unless it's like we talked about, right, at your house, you know, gather at your house, you and four of your friends, and y'all just kind of talk about some things safely right now as you prepare yourself to go out. Uh, but in those, you know, it's it's really interesting, man. I look at people and they always talk about research. This is mm. this is the most interesting thing. The problem is a lot of people say they do research, but research entails real. Well, I'm gonna say complete. I'm not gonna say real research like mm. people are doing fake research. Yeah. So let me clarify. Complete research means that you also look at what people that don't agree with you are saying. You can't just say, oh, I, all I read is these people that agree with me and that's, I've been researching. Yeah, you've done some research, yeah. but if you want a complete picture on how to, whether it's uh, articulating another person's worldview or religion or something, you have to actually look at what they say uh, about the stuff that you believe. And so we have to get to the point that that's what we're doing. You know, what, what are people saying? And that's ways that even if somebody don't uh, believe the same way that you believe or think the same way you think, maybe them coming to your campus and you showing up just kind of getting the idea of what these people are saying so that I can really have a clear picture on this person's worldview. It's hard to speak into a person's worldview when you don't really know nothing about it and all you do is buy into what the status quo is saying. Everybody is saying this about this, when 90% of those people don't know nothing about these people or what they believe, they just saying whatever's on their mind and their heart at that moment. Yeah. And, but you can be that person that says, you know what, let me go here. Even I'm, I'm not a Nazi or I'm not a, you know, an atheist or I'm not, even if it's a, some, a Christian comes on a university, I'm not a Christian, I'm not religious, but let me go see what these people have to say. Sometimes we challenge ourselves by going into places to hear these other ideas and, and, and maybe we'll find out if we've really allowed the, the Christian faith, the, the foundation of Christ mm-hmm. to really be laid in our life. Because yeah. if you're persuaded in a different direction, maybe you haven't laid the foundation yet. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, that's good, brother. Um, I don't even know what to say with that, man. Uh, <laughs> except um, we also have to stop putting so much of our trust. I really believe that, man, the academic system is is good because it teaches us how to think. It teaches us how to how to write papers and articulate and stuff like that. I think safe places in that is counterproductive to what we get yeah. out of the college experience. And then secondarily, man, there's so many professors that don't really live in the real world. They Ooh. live in academia. <laughs> yeah. Like if even when you think about it, man, like I, I recently started doing some writing and uh, right when I finished school, I was writing like the textbooks that I read. And people are like, man, you write so well. What did I just say? I, I don't even know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fluffy words and big words. Yeah. And you got to look up in the dictionary to find. And so a lot of academics, they live in that world. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I like professors and stuff who can talk plain. And they can communicate with just, yes. you know. And so a lot of time they live in these books. They live in these studies. They live in all these different places. And then they're turning around and they're teaching 10, 11, I mean, not 10, 11, uh, 19, 20 year olds, how to reason, how to, and they don't, they're introverts. They're, they like, you know what I mean? So it's like, we need, as believers, we need life on life. We need, yeah, go get your degree, but we also need other people with different walks of life that can speak normally. Cause I, I know so many college students, they finish school. They don't remember nothing they learned in school. Yeah. They don't remember nothing they learned in school, right? Um, and so they got a piece of paper, though. And so we really need to flip that upside down as believers. Yeah, go get your degree, do the college experience and things of that nature. But when it comes to really living life, yes, you don't live life off of a case study. You don't live life off a sociology book. Yeah. Because when you get in the real world, you'll start seeing holes in what your professor taught. You're like, wait a minute. Yes. That works sometimes. It don't work all the time, though. Right. Um, and so that's what I have to say about it, man. The intellectual approach is is, is kind of messed up and and what what they're trying to do. And it's going to trickle into the rest of the world. Is we are seeing a lack of, uh, if you will, integration in our world. Right. We're seeing a lack of uh, the people who feel marginalized. They don't feel included with the rest of us. Right. You, you, but here's the thing. You can't create diversity. By including people. And then suppressing what the people who the group yep. they're being included to, they can't speak anymore. Yeah. You can't do that. That's not real inclusion. That's, for lack of better words, that's tyranny. That literally is. Remember when you, when, when your little brother, your little sister used to want to go with you and you were like, no, they ain't got, and your mom said, you better take them. <laughs> yeah. Mm, come on. <laughs> What's going to happen to the person that was forced to let this person in and they can't say nothing to him? And if you, if you tell me you hit him, you're going to get it when you get home. Yeah. So now I'm going to get beat. You got to come with me. And I'm going to get beat if I say anything back to you, make you mad, make you cry. You're going to tell mama and I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. That's not real relationship. <laughs> not at all. That's forced. That's a play date. No one wants a play date. And then when people get into those environments, they wonder why. Well, why don't such and such want to hang out with me? They don't even know you. You were pushed upon them. You were thrust upon them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, that, and so like and I that, said, yeah, go ahead. No, nah, I was just going to just add, like, you, 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 
Man, you touched on something that's very important, man, because this whole idea of forcing things on people, I think we do a lot of that right now with, um, you know, I think protest is good in, in a certain sense. Um, people start getting the stuff that they want, you know, people feel good. But I think our country's at a place where we think that forcing people to conform to the way that we want things to be right. Because you have so many people and I'm going to use the same examples we've been using over the last few episodes where we were talking about how it's very popular to, to kneel now when before it wasn't popular to kneel. Right. And I just think about the hearts of people like all over the place, whether it's, uh, um, owners of these teams, whether it's news media, you know, it's popular right now to do things that were unpopular before. And so forcing people to do stuff when their heart is really not in it, that can only last for so long because here's the thing. And I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Here's the thing, just like the person that wanted to change when they, when that opportunity presented itself, the same people that are being forced to, 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 to just go along with everything everybody is saying now and their heart is not in it. When the opportunity presents itself for them to go back to the way they really feel, they're going to go and they're going to go in strong, full force. It's not about forcing anything on anybody. Just like Christ didn't force himself on people. He presented his case. He said, look, the kingdom of heaven is near you. God is at work. He's doing some stuff right now. Uh, repent what you're going to do or follow me. It's time to go. You're going to stay here. Or you're going. He presented something to people and then he kept it going. If a person does not want something, we cannot force. Uh, and, and, that, and that's part of the problem that we have in our country today. Everybody's trying to force somebody to change something. If their heart is not in it, just because you change some laws and, and people start talking about your viewpoint now on the news and all over the place, that doesn't mean anything. If, if somebody is racist, they're going to be racist regardless of what everybody else is saying. Anyway, they're going to find ways to be racist. It's yeah. <laughs> simple. That's it, man. And yeah, and I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, peaceful protest lets people see that you you, you have a viewpoint, that, that, that you're concerned with it. But this is my fear. Um, a lot of those protests, I don't think they, they don't get anything solved. We put another person in office four years later, ain't nothing changed. Mm-hmm. We write back to the same thing. And like quite literally, it, it, it's crazy that I don't think if it wasn't for this COVID, a lot of this stuff would have been as blown up as it is because actually police shootings have gone down. Um, the people who are being considered marginalized are actually doing better than they were doing 10, 12, five years ago. Uh, prison incarceration rates uh, amongst minorities going down. Man, it's like all this stuff is, is going down anyway. And you're thinking that, oh, because I raised my voice, this is why it's happening. It's trending down anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so you're, 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 you're getting to a place where um, you're thinking you had a real effect and a real impact. When you, listen, you really didn't have a real impact. What in a lot of these protests. And again, this is what I'm saying, bro. When you look at it, a lot of the people who are quote unquote marginalized, are the people in charge in these cities who are getting fired and 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 leaving? Uh, 
I'm I'm not pro police or uh, against police. I'm just like the police. We need them. Man, we got police quitting all over the place over oh, something yeah. that happened in a state that's way far away. We don't see the implication. Like we get so focused on the event, we don't see how this all. And so pe- some people try to they try to compartmentalize, and you can't compartmentalize like that. Like I was just reading Thomas Sowell's book, uh, Basic Economics. And uh, he's talking about economics, but we always think of money when we think of no economics is really about resources. Right. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to dole out the resources for the greater good. Right. Uh, And the way that we do that, he has some free market ideas. Some people have these other ideas. But regardless where you land, this all boils down to resources, economics, uh, how we uh, how we live here on this earth. And the people who are power, they're going to have more power like. You can revolt all you want to. You're not going to shift power. And then what happens when power, if power does finally get shifted, it has to be shifted through violence. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of people are starting to think right now. I think they're starting to think right now that. And my whole thing is they're talking about burning down the house. The house is not bad. Yeah. Is there some places we need to remodel? Yeah, man, the back porch, we can fix that up a little bit, man. Oh, the roof got to let's fix that. But they talking yeah. about burning down the whole house and starting over. I'm like, why are you tearing down a whole a perfectly good house? Lurks, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say perfect. I said yeah. perfectly good. It's good enough for us to live in, right? And we can yeah. oh man, these windows need to be replaced. You want to yeah. burn down the whole house. Yeah. And they want to burn down a house because they say there's no safe spaces in that house. They want to yeah. burn down the house because they're saying, uh, historically everybody wasn't invited in the house. Well, now you're in the house. Don't burn it down from the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that I I, I I just I just can't get with these safe spaces because of that, man, because it's like we're forcing an agenda. We're forcing an issue and uh, politicians are going to disagree with whatever the majority is saying. But oftentimes when we look at morals, we don't need to look at um, what the masses are saying is the greater good. Because sometimes it's not the greater good. People have just been persuaded that's the greater good if you think yeah. that the masses always think it's a greater good look at nazi germany they were persuaded that it was good for the jews to be annihilated mm-hmm. they were persuaded of it and so yeah america has a history yeah america's not perfect but there's no perfect place on the planet and at we all. can't stop pushing back and saying burn it down we need to be able to be speak we need to be able to speak and you can't speak into what I'm speaking into. I'm actually reading a book right now. And you know, it's about, it's a book about the Bible. And this person is talking about one vantage point has been pushed all these, all these years. And so now we need a new vantage point. And my thing is don't burn down that vantage point because that vantage point got you here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there some things wrong with the way people believe you can work that out, but don't sit there and say now, we're going to change this whole thing because that's what's coming to church. Now we're seeing uh, LGBTQ plus agendas in the church where mm-hmm. people are wanting to pastor and things and, and saying that, you know, you can't deny us this because we have rights to this. Um, and again, no matter where you stand, there's going to be churches that agree with that. There's going to be churches that disagree with that. I personally believe that the church, I, I personally believe that the Bible says something explicit about sexual behavior and, uh, if you're going to lead in the church, you have to have a certain moral conduct and a certain way of doing things. Yeah. That's going to get me canceled. 
Um, <laughs> but that's what I believe. I yeah. don't believe that LGBTQ plus people are lesser than me. I don't think they're. Listen, if it was up to me, I don't really care. But this is what I stand on. That's all it is to it. This is what I stand on. There's certain things about, you know, certain women that say that their husbands are weak and they need to take charge. And I'm like, if your husband allow you to do that, that's one thing. But don't yeah. run all over your husband, though. Like, because some children will say, you know, my parents always want me to go to church every Sunday and I just can't deal with that and blah, blah, blah. God wouldn't blah, blah, blah. I'm just looking at this. <laughs> I'm just looking at this. And so we can't nuance our experiences. We can't nuance our, 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 our quote unquote identities and say, um, you can't speak into my life because you're a male and you're, you're dominant and I'm, and historically women have been oppressed. So you can't speak into my life. No. <laughs> yeah. But that's what, that, that's the direction this is going in. That's the direction the church is moving in. We've talked about it. We might have to do a segment on this one, the racial reconciliation thing. We touch on it all the time because it's a hot button topic in our thing. But we're touching yeah. all these areas because the church is literally going full stop about some things. And I love what you said earlier. We're running too many programs. <laughs> That's it. The system's going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> Keep dividing your energy if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, man... You you said a mouthful, man. The only other thing that I would add is just another application point, man, is what is our hope in? And, and this mm. is just straight believers. I'm talking to those that are students of Jesus. What is your hope in? Um, we're talking about safe spaces. You know, mm. too many people put all of their hope in a presidential candidate. Uh, they they're putting your hope into whether or not the police are going to do whatever they supposed to do. Uh, we put our hope in all of these different places and these institutions that are here on earth, but where should your hope lie? I would mm -hmm. just add to everything that my brother just said right now I, to just think about that question. Think about where you should have your hope in. Is your is your hope in Christ Jesus, right? In the one who came to do some things for us so that we can be right with God again. Is your hope in him, right? Because there's a lot that come with having our hope in him. Yeah. But we're going to be constantly disappointed if we worry about every four years, if the person I voted for gets in, um, if the police don't start uh, getting things done the way they're supposed to, uh, if somebody that's of a different race uh, don't start really liking me like I want them to like me and they don't treat me fairly or whatever it is, all of the issues that we see going on in the world, if our hope is on getting those things corrected, and, and I want to I make that clear because not just having our hope in certain things on this earth, but we want those things to be corrected now and never be a problem again. Mm -hmm. Your hope cannot be in that. Mm -hmm. You're going to be constantly disappointed because you will never be fulfilled in those areas uh, on a consistent basis to where you can just say, man, this is just a perfect world that I live in. And I'm so happy sooner or later, 
one of those institutions is going to let you down. Right. And so it's time to start as believers, putting our hope in a proper place. Um, and until we start doing that, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to be acting out of character, no integrity. Uh, we're not going to be trustworthy. People are going to be fleeing from the church instead of running to the church as a safe place. Right. We talk about safe places, but as a place of refuge in yeah. Christ Jesus. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Until we put our hope in where it's supposed to be. It's trouble for us. Yes, man, sir. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. I got one final thing, man. Before, before I, I, I'm through, and I'll let you, I'll let you drop the mic as, 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 as always. Oh no, this is your. You dropping the mic tonight? Don't so, finish your mouth. So John 16, uh, where Jesus tells the disciples that you know, hey, y'all gonna run off and leave me, but don't worry about it. the Father got me. The Father has not left me alone. Yeah. And then in verse 33, he says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows mm. point black plan. Like, like as long as you, <laughs> as long as you're alive, there's going to be trials and sorrows, but he yes. says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so if you're like, my brother was saying, if you're putting your hope in political systems and in, in, in even in the church, like mm. putting your hope in the physical building, the programs, what the pastor says. If you're putting your hope in those things, you're placing your hope in the wrong space. Yes. Right? Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And um, we really got to get to a place where we're not just looking at ourselves and being selfish about my life, this, and I need this, and I need a manicure and a pedicure, and I need to be babied and all this kind of stuff. We need to roll up our sleeves. And be the believers that God has called us to be, which means sometimes we're going to say things that are offensive. We don't intentionally offend people, but we got to say what the gospel says. Yes. And as believers, we need to toughen up. Yes. We need to toughen up. We are so babied in this country. We are so just, we lose it over the smallest of things. And God is saying it's time to grow up. And so, I'm going to vote no for safe spaces in the church, the kind of safe spaces they talking about because no, <laughs> we can't do it, man. We can't allow your experiences to trump what the word is saying. That's it, man. I I'm, 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 I'm going to back up off this safe space thing. I don't have nothing to add, but grace, mercy, and peace be with you. You got one more thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> you got one more thing to say. You ain't gonna hit him this week? Tell me what the Bible says. <laughs> <laughs> and we out, y'all. Oh. <laughs>